You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. You are listening to episode 144 of the Well Woman podcast. Welcome to the episode about period ed. I'm joined today on the show by Demi from Bright Girl Health. Now, this episode's all about menstrual cycle awareness for teens and tweens, and I couldn't have thought of a better guest to talk about this specifically than Demi. You see, she's passionate about women's health as an educator, author, and high school teacher. She's presented to thousands of students across Australia, helping them to be in tune with their body and embrace not only their menstrual cycle. Demi has no filter when it comes to talking about periods and believes that we should never be kept in the dark about our own bodies. She believes that the menstrual cycle does not have to be your enemy and it can be your greatest tool for better health and well-being. So naturally, Demi and I get along like a house on fire in this episode and always even outside of the episodes, <laughs> but I couldn't have thought of a better guest to talk about these topics. So in this conversation that we have with Demi, we really kind of guide you through everything that you kind of wish you knew at period ed at school. So we talk about your first period. We talk about transitioning through menarche, your first period experience and how you can support those puberty hormones. She also gives us four amazing tips for those. We look at the importance of sleep and stress for a healthy cycle, and we talk about ovulation and if ovulation is actually needed to know about when it comes for teen and tween health. We talk about contraception discussions for teens and how you can have those types of conversations with them or with adults if you are a teen or a tween. We talk about cycle tracking for any age and, of course, three ways that you can become more aware of your cycle. This is an absolutely beautiful episode that I wish I received when I was 15 and a half when I began first bleeding, but I'm delivering it to you now with Demi, so we hope you thoroughly enjoy it. Today's episode is sponsored by my Reset Your Cycle Masterclass Series, a three-part live class series to transform your menstrual cycle, increase your cycle confidence, and help you create a deeper connection with your monthly cycle overall. These three live classes cover understanding your hormones, how they change throughout your four phases of your cycle and how they contribute to how you feel, cycle disruptors and what you can do about them. You know, those things that throw your cycle out, you don't really know where they are, what they do, but you would like to learn how to balance them. We cover that in class two and class three is all about your cycle and contraception, the good, the confusing and how to choose a contraceptive method that serves you and your health goals. Throughout this three live class series, you'll also receive bonus gifts, resources, PDF guides and guidance and support to helping you reset your cycle. Head over to wellsome.com forward slash shop to learn more. That's W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E.com forward slash shop and use the code cycle love to save 20% off. Demi, welcome to the Well Woman podcast. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to be talking with you, Gemma. I'm really excited too. I feel like I say that at the beginning of every podcast. I'm so excited, but I'm always so excited. (laughs) Um, But this is a very different kind of episode as opposed to many episodes that we've had before. We are really talking to teens in this, and this is completely your area of expertise. Now, before we jump into it, tell us what day of your cycle you're on. How are you checking in today? 
I am on cycle day 18 and usually I would have ovulated by now. And I think maybe I had yesterday, I have to keep checking at my, at my chart. Um, but yeah, I've, uh, I've had a delayed ovulation this month, which happens every now and then for everyone. It can be impacted by stress. I think that's what it is for me this month. And so I'm trying my best to take it easy so that my body feels like it's got everything that it needs to actually follow through and ovulate if I didn't already yesterday, which I could have. I love that. And yes, stress is such a big thing when it comes to ovulation. I've definitely Mm -hmm. experienced that in a few cycles myself. Um, But being educated and knowing about it is the most important thing. Now, I know lots about you and your beautiful work that you do, but the listeners are probably like, who's Demi? So tell us, who is Demi and what is it that you do and how did you get to being, I guess, known as Bright Girl Health? Yeah, so I am the founder of Bright Girl Health. And with Bright Girl Health, we do menstrual health presentations for schools. We teach students everything that people always leave school saying they didn't learn, but they wish they learned about their body, Um, teaching students about things like cervical fluid and what it means and how to chart their cycle or track their cycle, Um, teaching them about hormones, how to have balanced hormones, Um, all the things that adults really don't learn until they're in their 20s or 30s, or maybe they're going on a fertility journey or they're having symptoms and get diagnosed with PCOS and they only learn it once something's not quite right. But I think all of these things we can utilize as teenagers to actually have better health, to have a better period experience, to not have to hate or get frustrated with our period, that we can embrace it as an awesome, really intelligent, beautiful function of our body. And so I started Brackle Health in 2018. My background is that I'm a high school teacher. Um, I've been a teacher since 2014, but working in school since 2011. And when I learned all the information about my own body and my cycle and how to track it and how to work with my hormones instead of against them, I was kind of angry because I was like, well, why didn't I'm 22, three? No, I think it was 23. I'm 23 right now. Why did no one teach me this when I was 16? Because it would have been life changing. And so um, out of that anger, I just thought, well, you know what? I'm a high school teacher, so I can teach it in schools. And so now what we do is we go into schools. Um, when I say we, I talk about me and my husband. So he works with me in the business and we go into schools and we teach students about periods. Um, I also do some work online. So the I've got lots of educational resources like on YouTube and Instagram and things. And that is what we do. It's all about period education. I absolutely love that. And I think it is so needed in school. Like if I think about my experience as a menstruator, you know, I got my period when I was 15 and a half. Actually, how old were you when you got your period? I was at the end of year six. It was like the last week of year six. So I think I was 11. Okay, so much like younger than me, four years younger than me. Yeah, about to turn 12, but I was quite young. Yeah, and it's crazy. I'm going to ask you the question in a minute um, about age and menstruation, but Mm. I find that every adult woman that I work with is like, should have learned this at school. Why wasn't this at school? Even if those women, those menstruators are like late 30s, early 40s or 40s or in their 50s, they're still like, period ed should be in schools. And so I'm so thrilled that you're doing this and actually putting this into schools because it is so definitely needed. 
Now, the question I had that I wanted to ask you is, what is the earliest age bracket that you find at schools that menstruators are starting to menstruate? So the average age to get your period is between 9 and 16. Um, And we see the trend that people are starting to get their period at a younger and younger age. Um, But that's not the case for everyone. Like some students I speak to are worried because they're 15, about to turn 16, and they still haven't got their first period yet or their period they got it once and it's gone missing um, and they've never got it again. Um, And so the average age is between 9 and 16, and and that's where most people fall. Um, If you're about to turn 15, 16 and haven't got your period, yet um but you've got other signs of puberty like your body shape's changing and you're getting pubic hair and your boobs are growing that's a really great sign that your body's starting to do the things um go going through puberty and starting to do the things that it's going to do before you get your period and you're on the right track and so we want to at least be seeing those other signs of puberty um, as we approach 16 but if someone's approaching 16 and doesn't have those other signs of puberty and they don't have their period then that's where they can reach out and chat with their doctor. Oh, I love that. Thank you. I've definitely noticed with myself teaching in some schools over the, you know, the years of doing this work, the youngest I've ever met is seven. Wow, seven. Yeah, and she wasn't very passionate about her menstrual cycle. She was only Mm, 13. Yeah. Um, So she'd been menstruating already for like six Mm. years. And she's 13, which is insane to think about. Now, we could like probably get a little bit political as to why that might happen, but um, it just goes to show that knowing your body and understanding this at a very young age is important. It's a great conversation to have. So let's talk about, Demi, I'd love to ask the question, like how do we know that we're about to transition through menarche, our first period? Like so for the teens who are listening to this, they're like, I don't know when it's coming. What are some ways that they can understand that they're about to transition? And then we'll talk about how they can prepare for it. One of the most popular questions that I get when I go into schools and speak, um, either like people put up their hand or they write it down in an anonymous question box is I have discharge and I don't have my first period, what does that mean? And so I think it's really telling that a lot of people experience um, getting cervical fluid or what we often refer to as discharge. Um, They see it in their underwear and they haven't got their period yet. And they're like, is this my period or does this mean my period is coming? So that's just one of the signs that can tell you that your period is starting, um, well, your body is starting to rev up towards your first period. So cervical fluid is what we might see in our underwear or on toilet paper after wiping. It can look sticky or creamy um, and it responds to our body's rising estrogen levels. And as we're going through puberty and we're preparing for our very first period, um, our estrogen levels are rising, which then causes more of that cervical fluid or discharge. So it's completely fine and good and healthy for you to see cervical fluid even if you haven't got your first period yet and it's a good sign from your body that you're headed towards your first period now it might take a month it might take six months it might take a year maybe even more um, but it is a good sign that you're headed in that direction so um, some other signs yeah some other signs could be that your boobs are growing 
um, and that your body shape is changing. So maybe you're starting to widen at the hips, um, even um, pubic hair. So that could be a hair on your vulva, but it could also be underarm hair as well. We also have rising testosterone levels as we're going through puberty. That can also be something that causes us to get some upper lip hair. Um, the hair on our arms and our legs can become a bit darker or even a bit thicker than it was before. And that can sometimes be annoying for some people, but it's a wonderful sign from your body that your body is doing exactly what it should be doing at this time and that you are um, on the way to getting your first period. Uh, another thing is growing taller. Everyone's different with how, how, how tall they grow, but starting to, starting to get taller, um, maybe even a little bit of weight gain. And again, everyone's different. How, how much weight you do or don't put on can differ from person to person, but that's just one thing that can start to happen um, during puberty as well. And then the, um, some of the unfortunate things that might signal that your period is coming up is starting to have changes in your skin. So it becomes a little bit more oily. And that is due to the rising testosterone levels that we have as we're going through puberty or starting puberty that can lead to getting some pimples or acne um, but again um, those things are expected because we are going through that transition of puberty where our hormones are doing different things and they're supposed to do different things now there's lots we can do to support our hormones to minimize some of the like unwanted things like pimples but overall um that is a sign that your body is going through puberty and your first period is on its way. I love it. I wish I knew this at 14. <laughs> um, now, yeah. a, a personal question. What signs did you notice when you were going through, um, you know, this puberty menarche kind of time in your life? Mm. Um, all of those things. So I had, I had, a bit of boobage um, before <laughs> I got my first period. <laughs> yeah, just, just blossoming little boobs there. Um, I had pubic hair. I had a little bit of underarm hair. Um, I was growing taller. I was putting on a little bit of weight, which again, like that can differ from person to person. Um, uh, fortunately, I didn't have too much change in my skin. So my skin didn't break out like crazy. I didn't have too many pimples. And um, I mean, everyone's different. So the combinations of things that you see before and after you get your first period can be different from person to person. So your experience doesn't have to be the same as mine or same as your best friends um, because everyone's body is different. Just like we all ha have different skin color and hair color and eye color. Like we're all different. We're not all clones or robots. So it's okay if your experience isn't the same as somebody else's. Um, but these are some of the signs that you can look out for. I love it. Thank you for sharing all of that. I asked that question so that you could see how different they are. Like mine, I noticed mm. that I did, I got my hips widened. Um, I've always mm. been tall. I'm six foot tall. I know we've not seen each other in person. So I'm quite tall. And so yeah, I've, wow. I've always been the taller person, you know, in my friend group, you know, my whole life, I've just been, you know, in the, get in the back row for the photo. You're the tall person, right? That was me at school. Yeah. Um, but I also. I was always sitting. There you go. I definitely noticed I gained a bit of weight though. And I naturally, of course, got pubic hair. But the things I remember, considering this was 20 years ago, is I definitely gained mm. weight. I definitely had changes in my skin. And I felt like I was really kind of, I call it blossoming. Like I really felt like mm. I was just like, 
like what is going on and I yeah. wasn't become I didn't feel like I was as athletic or lean or boyish anymore um so mm. the things I noticed um now you mentioned about there's some things you can do to support your hormones through the process to make this more stable I think that's maybe a good mm. word is to stabilize it yeah. so what would you suggest to um one a teen to do or a tween to do you know, in the lead up, if they're going, oh God, I'm getting a little bit of hair under my arms and I'm noticing my boobs are kind of growing. What at that stage do they start to do to help them support the hormonal changes as they lead in towards their first period? So let's simplify it, make it really easy for people and just look at four different areas of our life. And this applies for when we're leading up to our first period, but it also applies for adults to have healthy, happy hormones as well. So if we start these four things young and we just continue them, hopefully that means that throughout our life we have healthy, happy hormones, which leads to less period symptoms. So those four things are going to be nutrition, exercise and movement. So I say exercise and movement because when we say exercise, some people just think of slogging it out in the gym and that doesn't have to be what exercise is. Um, Then we have sleep as the third one. And the fourth one is stress management. And some people might think, oh, what does stress management have to do with me having a lot of period pain or a regular period or happy hormones? Well, at the beginning of this, of this podcast, I told you that my ovulation hadn't happened. um, And it's day 18 for me. Usually for me, it would happen around day 14. And I would say that the reason it's late is because of stress. And so stress actually has such a big um, impact on our hormones. So if we're a teen and you're wondering what you can do to make this process a bit easier, um, to minimize symptoms, doesn't mean you will have no symptoms because again, everybody is different, but the first thing you can, we can start on these four things. So nutrition, eat well and that does look different to everyone um but what we can focus on is eating lots of whole foods fruits veggies nuts seeds grains things that don't come in a bright red yellow green purple packet from the confectionery aisle um things that have things that are bright and colorful but because they're fruits and vegetables um, come from and the vegetables earth. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Um, And vegetables are actually wonderful for our hormones because not only are they really nutrient dense, but they can help our body clear out extra hormones that it doesn't need so that hormones don't stay in our body and become imbalanced. So I always encourage teenagers, make yourself a goal for how you can eat more vegetables because that's going to actually make a really big difference. Um, So my personal goal is to try and eat multiple veggies at every meal. That might be a really overwhelming goal for some people. So maybe their goal would be to eat three different colors of vegetables in a day, or it could be to have vegetables at lunch and dinner, whatever that goal is for you. That's realistic and doable and sustainable. um, Make that goal. Um, and yeah, cutting, thinking about how, how much, um, food you're eating that are, is really high in sugar or how much fast food you're eating, because in the long run, those things don't support our hormones. Now, like we all like to indulge and, and, and enjoy food sometimes that we lack, but having them on a daily basis, like sometimes as a teacher, I'll see students come into class and their breakfast is like a chocolate milk and a chocolate chip muffin. And so an energy drink or an energy drink. 
Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, maybe you could do this, like, I don't know, on your birthday, but not every day. Those things aren't going to support our hormones in the long run if we're doing them every day. Totally. Okay. Awesome. So that's really good nutrition tips. And I guess um, yeah. you, when you mentioned about stress, I was thinking stress impacts your sleep. So those two kind of go together. I talk about that a lot with yeah. adults. Um, and then obviously exercise and movement. Um, how does that work with your hormones? Cause I'm sure some people are like, hang on, but what does that have to do with hormone balance? Yeah. So, okay. So the first one was nutrition. Second out of the four was exercise and movement. Now exercise um, regularly has been shown to decrease period symptoms, decrease period pain and decrease our PMS symptoms, which are our pre-menstrual symptoms. So all those things that we might get in the lead up to our period, like some crankiness, tiredness, mood swings, sore boobs, sore back, um, all of those things that don't make it fun in the lead up to our period. Um, So when we do exercise consistently, that's at the right level for us, we can have those hormonal benefits. The reasons it's minimizing those symptoms is because it's helping our hormone balance. And so that's going to look different for everyone. Again, some people might have to do less exercise. Um, Some people who are over-exercising can actually be um, damaging their hormones from the frequency and intensity of of their exercises. If it's just too much, for their body to handle and maybe if they're not eating enough food to replenish the energy that they're using when they're doing that intense exercise Um, but for other people it might look like exercising a little bit more so uh, that could be going for a walk it could be dancing it could be going for a run Um, it could be whatever activity you enjoy because I don't think exercise should be something that is an obligation something that we do um, out of guilt or because we have to It's a wonderful opportunity to get outside, to get off our screens, um, to take some time to just enjoy the sunshine and move our body. And so for me, I like to run and not everyone likes to run. I get that. So don't run if we don't want to run. But I love it because I just get to be outside in the sunshine, look at the sky and listen to some music and just enjoy that time for myself. And for me, that's sustainable. It's something that I want to do. So I would encourage everyone to just figure out what you like to do. How do you like to move your body? It could be walking or it could just be making the most out of PE lessons at school. Like instead of sitting on the sidelines, like just really in, um, participating in those lessons um, because you're with your friends and it's fun. So yeah, that's how I like to exercise um, and Perfect. move my body, but it's different for everyone uh it is very different for everyone and it's like you said at the the start is everyone has different like eye colors and body shapes and hair texture and all of the things movement's the same like we're going to want to move differently so I really love that you kind of honed in on the fact that you need to just find a way that you like to move and it doesn't matter how you do it it's just the fact that you do move and you don't also I think this is what I what I was like being really heavy in sport at school age is don't force yourself to just slog yourself with your sport or your exercise or your movement um, and maybe just look at where you can bring in some balance there. Like you said, super important. Now, mm-hmm. next question, and I get asked this a lot when I do speak or connect with teens, is ovulation. And you mentioned about your ovulation in this particular cycle now. It's a little bit delayed. How important is it? for teens and tweens to know about their ovulation? 
ovulation is arguably more important than your period bleed itself. Because if you don't ovulate, you don't get your period. And if ovulation happens early, you get your period earlier. And if ovulation happens late, you usually get your period later. And so for a teen who is wondering where their first period is, or maybe they've had their first period, but it's gone missing. Well, it's missing because ovulation's gone missing. Ovulation's not happening. Um, for a teen who's wondering why they're having such irregular periods that only come once in a blue moon, well, it's because ovulation is only happening really irregularly once in a blue moon. So ovulation is when one of our ovaries releases an egg. Now, when we're born, we're born with all the eggs that we will ever have already in our ovaries. And then once a menstrual cycle, um, one of those eggs will be released from one of our ovaries. Now, before we have our first period, we're not ovulating regularly. We will ovulate once before our first period. So that first ovulation will happen about two weeks before we get our very first period ever. Um, and that's how, that's how menarche starts. That's how we start menstruating. And then every, every cycle from then you will ovulate um, usually. And so if we can understand when ovulation is happening, we can understand when our period's going to come. That's really helpful to know when to predict our next period is going to come. Um, and having healthy, regular ovulation is actually a sign of really good health and happy, healthy hormones. If our hormones aren't super happy and healthy, we could have irregular ovulation, which then leads to irregular periods um, and kind of doesn't, it's like, it's a, it's a spiral. If we're not ovulating, then our hormones suffer. And if our hormones are suffering, then we're not um, having regular healthy ovulation. So it's, it can be so helpful from a young age to understand when we ovulate, because that's going to help us to know when our next period is coming, but it's also going to be a great sign from our body to, to check in with, to tell us, yeah, I, I feel supported. Um, I can ovulate regularly, or I'm not, I'm not feeling the most supported. I, I need better nutrition. I need better exercise. I need better sleep, or maybe there's a health condition going on. And because of that, I can't ovulate regularly. This is such an important topic. I love that you mentioned like regular ovulation equals regular menstruation. I hone on that even just in natural fertility, natural contraception client sessions that I have. So as a teen or a tween, knowing this is really important. So it begs the question is that it's, it's quite common. Um, it's not unnormal to get your period for the very first time and then not get your period for a couple of months or maybe 45 days or maybe three months. Why is that? Mm. So with teenagers, we expect irregularities. Irregularities are not typical or ideal, but as our body is still learning, we kind of expect that there'd be a few road bumps. And that's like anything, like if you're learning the guitar or you're learning a new skill, you're not going to be fantastic at it straight away. You're not going to be an expert straight away. And no one expects you to be an expert guitar player when you've only been playing for a week. And so it's the same with our menstrual cycle. Like no one's going to expect you to have a perfect, wonderful, symptom-free, regular menstrual cycle on the first few times that you have your period. And if that happens for you, wonderful, awesome. But um, no one needs to beat themselves up because they don't have a regular period straight away. So what happens when we have our period is that our brain has to talk with our ovaries. Do you, the way that they talk is through hormones. Hormones are um, messengers in the body. So 
a hormone will take a message from the brain to our reproductive system to say, tell ovulation to happen. And so our brain and our ovaries need to talk, but they've never had to talk like this before. They've never had to release these particular hormones in this particular amount at this particular specific time to make ovulation happen or to make a period start. Um, so it needs to learn to talk. The brain and the ovaries need to talk. talk blah, blah, blah. The brain and the ovaries <laughs> need to learn <laughs> to talk to time. one another. I yep. need to learn to talk apparently. <laughs> <laughs> But they're not, it's like, it's like they're, they're strangers at this point and they haven't really been speaking. And so they need to build up um, that experience and that communication uh, when you first get your period. So it can take a few cycles. It can actually take up to six years for that communication between the brain and the ovaries um, to become smooth so that we can experience a regular period with minimal symptoms. So what I always say to students at school is to be kind on yourself and be patient with your body. It's doing a brand new job. It's doing a really big job and give it some grace, give it some time to, um, to sort that process out. And we can do all those things with nutrition, with exercise, with sleep and with stress to help it along, along the way. So I, I'll quickly touch on the sleep and stress part um, awesome. as well. So out of those four things, nutrition, exercise, sleep, stress, with stress, um, Stress hormones in the body can be period hormones' worst enemies because essentially they fight for priority and they fight for resources in the body. So what usually happens is our stress hormones win that fight and our body prioritizes a stress response over fertility um, because our menstrual cycle is essentially all about fertility. And so, you know, if we're running away from a burning building, our body's priority is not to have a baby in that scenario. And so if we're always stressed, maybe it's exams, maybe it's troubles at home or, or friend dramas. If we're always stressed, our body is really intelligent and goes, okay, I need to divert all of my resources to keeping myself safe and dealing with this stress. And it won't prioritize having a regular menstrual cycle because that's not necessary for survival. And so it is an intelligent function of the body, but what it does mean is if we want to have a regular menstrual cycle and happy hormones, we do have to learn ways to manage our stress. So that could be deep breathing throughout the day, taking deep belly breaths when we're not feeling so great. It could be incorporating more movement into our day or more time to get outside. It could be, it, stress management looks different for everybody. Um, it could be talking with a professional about what's going on. So prioritizing that is actually going to have so much impact on having a regular period. So that's stress. And then with sleep, I mean, no function of our body is going to work optimally if we don't have enough sleep. And I know that it's so easy for teenagers to fall into the trap of watching Netflix or being on their phone, watching YouTube or whatever. It's so until, cool to stay up late. <laughs> like 2am, 3am, I'll have students coming into class and they can't concentrate. They can't do anything because they're like, oh, miss, I didn't get to sleep till 3am last night. I was like, well... Oh, why? Why'd you do that to yourself? And so I know it, it is quite easy to, especially with access to screens now, to be staying up late. But making that decision to stay up late, you need to know that you're 
that decision is also going to impact your hormones and it's going to impact your period as well. So if we can get into a really good, consistent sleep schedule where we've got a bedtime and like bedtimes are the best things ever for our health um, and we're getting some good quality sleep, your hormones and your period will thank you for it. They will really thank you for it. It's kind of like you start to play on the same team as your body instead of playing as oppositions um, against each other. I love that. Mm, um, yeah, yeah, team up with your body. Don't force yourself to do stuff that your body's not going to enjoy. I love, okay, I'm loving all of this. And I also love that you mentioned that body prioritizes stress over ovulation. It's kind of like naturally it's like we, don't have, we can't make a baby right now. So it's just like we're just yeah. going to do this a little bit later. I have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my five-day Love Your Cycle mini course. This is a self-paced course to teach you the foundations and fundamentals of your menstrual cycle in less than a week. If you are a woman looking to rediscover your cycle, reconnect with your feminine in a new way, understand your cycle signs and what they mean, this is the mini course for you. Receive daily educational class videos and audios, along with action steps, cycle tracking guides, cycle prompts, and the Love Your Cycle 50-page ebook and audiobook. This is your chance to discover the things that you wish you had have been taught about your cycle at school, how to eat, how to move, honoring your emotions, and identifying PMS and cycle signs before they arise. It's your turn to join thousands of women from all over the world who have already taken this course to reclaiming and reconnecting with their bodies. And you can do this too for less than a fancy vegan burger in under a week. To learn more, head to wellsome.com forward slash shop. That's W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E.com forward slash shop. And use the code CYCLELOVE to save 20% off. Now, talking about making babies and ovulation, a very common question, um, especially for the older teens when they are going through, you know, their first couple of years of menstruation is around contraception. And the thing Mm -hmm. of, okay, well, I don't want to fall pregnant, but I'd like to be sexually active. Now, without jumping into the whole conversation about teenage sex and sexuality and sex ed, what kind of guidance would you suggest or give to a teen or tween um, who would like to learn about, one, contraception for having a healthy cycle and avoiding pregnancy? Yeah, well, first of all, we're, we don't want to just be looking at only contraception. We also want to be looking at staying, stay, staying safe from STIs. So condoms are our best friends right here because it is a form of contraception, but it's also keeping us safe and protected as well as protecting partners as well. So um, that's right off the bat one of the, one of the biggest pieces of advice. Um, the other thing is like, yeah, we do need to look into this. We do need to learn about this if we're if we're being sexually active. And I mean, the choice to be sexually active comes with the responsibility as well to stay safe, to keep our bodies safe. Um, and so, I mean, I know that that's not what you're thinking of in like the heat of a moment, but it is really important because it can have flow on effects. Um, STIs can then um, put us at greater risk of other things and then we have to deal with them and all the symptoms and that's not very fun either. And so, um, yeah, making sure we take the responsibility of being safe really seriously, um, even though it's not like the sexiest thing to be thinking about. Um, So when it comes to contraception and uh, teenagers, a lot of teenagers get recommended the pill. 
um, because, and they get recommended the pill for reasons other than contraception as well. A lot of people listening may have been recommended the pill to go on because of irregular periods or heavy, heavy bleeding. Um, and it may stop those things, but it doesn't treat the root cause of those things. And those things can come back when you come off the pill because it doesn't actually fix it. But for contraceptive reasons, um, a lot of teenagers get recommended the pill because it's, you take it every day, it's kind of low maintenance. Um, you do need to remember to take it at the same time every day, but it's it's it can be highly effective if taken correctly. And so a lot of um, people just get thrown on that because it's quick and easy to prescribe. But the pill and other hormonal contraceptions like the IUD, like the implant, like the patch, um, they all have side effects um, to them that, a lot of people end up going off these contraceptions because they realize, oh, I'm not the same person I used to be. I'm moody and I'm angry and I can't think straight. I have brain fog and I have low sex drive, which is a very, very, very common side effect of hormonal birth control. And so what I always say to teenagers is to, if you are being recommended a daily drug, be a part of that decision. Don't let your doctor just make that decision for you or your parents just make that decision for you. Be a part of that decision because it's going into your own body. So what I also like to say is if you're going to make the decision to take a daily drug, we need to be thinking of the pros, the cons. So what are the benefits and, and what are the risks, the things that may not be so great if we do this? Um, the side effects, because a lot of drugs have a very long list of side effects. And then the alternatives. But is this your only option? And the pill isn't your only option. And so um, advocate for yourself in a scenario where you might be being prescribed something. Ask those questions. What are the benefits? What are the side effects? What are the risks? risks and, and what are my other options for this as well I love that there are so many different options when it comes to contraception um, you know having studied natural fertility and learning natural contraception it just goes to show that there was so many other forms of contraception that I didn't even know about and I'm a menstrual cycle educator and coach and I was like what mm, so I yeah. think also something else that's not often discussed um, like you mentioned condoms is also diaphragms and I yeah. feel like diaphragms sometimes for menstruators kind of helps give you some responsibility too, because that's something that you would have. It's kind of like expecting, you know, someone else to buy you a pair of undies and you're going to wear the undies. You know, it's always good to have it yourself, um, especially yeah. if you are going to be sexually active. But I think to kind of add in here that it's really important um, if you're making these kinds of decisions is to speak to an adult, um, someone who you look up to. It doesn't have to be your mom or your dad. It could be an auntie or an uncle, or it could be a parent's best friend or a school teacher or the nurse at school, or there's lots yeah. of options out there. Um, just know it's that you're never alone. planning clinics. Exactly. Yep. That's a really good one too. Oh, Demi. Yeah. Love and, and, oh, it's such a good conversation that I wish like was had for every teenager. Um, and the other thing that teenagers never, ever, 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 ever get told, I don't know why it's such a secret that we're keeping from them, but fertility awareness methods for contraceptions are very valid methods. And I think a lot of people don't think that teenagers can be trusted to use them properly. And whether a teenager wants to learn that or not is another thing because it does take a while to learn. It's not as easy as taking... Um, 
uh, well, initially, it's not as easy as taking a pill, um, which is pretty easy to take a pill. But for fertility awareness methods, for natural contraception, um, you actually have to take the time at first to learn it. And so, uh, yeah, fair point that many teenagers may not wish to take that initial time to learn it um, in the stage of life that they're in as a teen. But can we please tell teenagers about natural fertility and fertility awareness methods? Because they may want to use it as they get a little bit older. I wanted to use it when I was 23. Yeah, I was a little bit past a teenager, but I'm like, I, I was still quite young and I, like, hello, this is the best method for me personally. And each person's got to figure out if it's the best method for them. But I wish I had learned about it way sooner. And so for anyone listening, fertility awareness methods, um, I mean, if you follow Gemma, you probably know all about it. <laughs> but it's knowing when you're fertile and when you're not based on when you're ovulating. And so you can use your cervical mucus patterns and you can use your basal body temperature that you take every day in the morning um, to know when you ovulate and to know what days of your cycle you're fertile and what days you're not fertile because on the days you're not fertile and the majority of days the vast majority of days are non-fertile days well then pregnancy is not possible on those days it's just physically not possible and so yeah we can still be using condoms on those days if we're um if we're if we're um, having sex with different partners and and we want to make sure that we're um, keeping safe from STIs but pregnancy is not possible on those days and so many people just freak out and worry and take a million pregnancy tests because they think they might be pregnant even though they've had sex on a day where it was impossible to get pregnant so fertility awareness methods are very valid methods of contraception with high effectiveness rates it's just that we never get told about them and I think it's because I don't know, people don't trust teenagers with it, which I think is silly. And I think it's because the word fertility is in there. You know, yeah. the word fertility for a teenager is like, oh, I don't want to be fertile. I don't want to. Well, the fact mm. is you're already fertile, firstly. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's just becoming really, it's just becoming educated. And I love that you brought up this topic because my next question was going to be, okay, well, how can we tune in and track our cycle if we are a tween or a teen who is approaching, you know, our first bleed or have just recently started bleeding and fertility methods, I like to just call it natural contraception, same kind of method. Mm, nice. It's just, it's just a, it's yeah. just a slightly different name for it, literally tomato, yeah. tomato, it's the same thing. Um, but it can be really confronting. And the thing that I've found with natural fertility is to, in teaching this topic is that it serves every single menstrual cycle transition. So it serves menarche, yeah. it serves the purpose of avoiding pregnancy, achieving pregnancy, lactation. So when you've finished having, yeah. you've had your baby, after you've had your baby, and then it also serves pre-menopause, menopause and post-menopause. So it helps Absolutely. you really with everything. So if you invested in yourself, it doesn't have to be financially, it could be just time-wise to learn about this. Maybe you do hire someone or you work with someone who knows this and actually can teach you specifically. It helps you so much further into the future than just right now. So um, what, what would you recommend to a teen or a tween or a parent who needs to support a teen or a tween in helping them track their cycle? Like what steps would you give them to get started? Well, 
when I go into schools and even for students as young as year five and six, I will teach them the skills to begin fertility awareness. And that's not for contraception reasons. It's for cycle tracking reasons, because if we know how to track our cycle and it's using the same principles um, as for contraception, but you're not using it for contraception, you're just using it to know where you are in your cycle. Well, that has so many benefits, like knowing when your next period is coming, knowing if your hormones are happy or balanced or not, um, knowing how do we expect to feel because there are four distinct phases of our menstrual cycle and we feel quite different in each of them. And so I teach students to, to know which phase they're in so that they can expect to know how to feel. Is this going to be a week where I struggle to concentrate in class or is this going to be a week where I feel really energetic. And so um, I'll teach them how to track their cervical fluid patterns. And I'll also teach them that if they want to, they can track their basal body temperature. All you need is a $20 thermometer and just stick it in your mouth for 30 seconds in the morning and then put that into an app. It's really quite easy. And there's so many benefits of it. So um, first of all, if people wanted to, to know how to do that, either for themselves, you're a teenager or, or a parent looking to help their teenager. Um, if your student attends one of my presentations, they'll find out. Um, I also have a book where you can learn about that. And I have a parent teen um, e-course where you can learn about that as well. So parents and teens can learn about it together. But if we look at how to um, know what our cervical mucus means, because that's something that teenagers are probably already looking at anyway, we're seeing it in their they're seeing it in their underwear they're probably already wondering what it means um why not just track down on an app or in a chart what you saw that day and then if we can teach them how to interpret what those changes mean that's fertility awareness and where or natural contraception but we're not using it for natural contraception we're using it to have a better menstrual cycle and I don't think that anyone's too young to start doing that. I mean, Never. you're too young if you're not, if you don't have discharge yet because you haven't started going through puberty. <laughs> but as soon as you, as soon as you're going through puberty, I don't think anyone's too young to do that. I completely agree, Dem. Like you can literally be anytime from puberty onwards, you can learn about this. Even if you're in your forties or if you're 14, you can totally learn about it. And you've given such great little steps there. Um, I think it's also important that, knowing this method or this ability of natural contraception helps you maybe not necessarily just for the contraception, it's natural like cycle awareness, like knowing your own yes. cycle, like you said. So when's my next period going to come? There is nothing worse than being at school and being like, holy shit, I don't have my period mm -hmm. undies today. Or can someone lend me a yeah. tampon? Or does anyone have a menstrual cup? Or I don't have anything that I need in my bag. So I think that having that knowledge is so empowering and just goes to show your period can be your superpower. So that's really empowering. If you are becoming sexually active, one thing I would say is that just be aware that what you interpret as maybe your fertile time might not be a hundred percent your fertile time. So always take caution when you are being sexually active, barrier methods are fantastic. Like you said, condoms, diaphragms, um, and the reason why I say that is the amount of adult women that I've worked with who have been tracking their cycle for so long, they see all the Instagram pictures of like the mucus and they are so far off with when they're actually ovulating. Yeah. And when I say so far off, they could be four or five days off. And yeah, very important to know that. So one, just track your cycle. Yeah. I love this. So with um, two final questions before we wrap up, 
Second last question is with a teen who's listening to this, what are three really simple tips you would encourage them to do to just become aware and connected with their cycle? Well, first of all, we need to change our mindset about what periods are and aren't. So many people think that this sucks. <laughs> this I have to be miserable every month. Um, this is just going to be annoying for me. When in fact... It's our superpower having a period. Um, It can tell us so much about ourselves. Like we've just been discussing, it can tell us when we're fertile. It can tell us when we're not. It can tell us, it can communicate with us if our hormones are happy or not because we can't see what's happening inside with our hormones. But our period can tell us if our hormones are healthy by how regular it is or how heavy it is or how painful it is. So switching our mindsets, trying to think about starting your period as a positive thing this new superpower that you get to be able to learn more about what's going on on the inside of your body. And the other mindset to be changed is that periods have to be miserable. So many people just think, okay, it just means I'm going to be in pain once a month for the next 30 years when that isn't true. Periods do not need to be painful. Um, They can be pretty symptom-free for a lot of people if we've got healthy, balanced hormones and no other health conditions standing in the way. So the first thing is change your mindset about periods. It doesn't have to be horrible um, and and it can be your superpower. Um, I love that. Yeah. Number two is to like get some exciting period products like period underwear because it makes getting your period so exciting. When, when I have a new product that I want to try out, maybe it's a, like a new pair of period underwear, a new color of period underwear or menstrual cup or a menstrual disc I actually have coming soon and I'm really excited to try it. It actually makes your period coming really exciting. You're like, oh, I get to try this new period product. Uh, or maybe it's like a face mask that you've bought yourself or a, a new tea that you've bought yourself that you're like okay this is for when I get my period and it becomes this excuse to have some self-care time and really enjoy that time um because it doesn't have to be a horrible time so investing in some period products um and especially period underwear like Gemma I feel like you would agree um makes periods a whole lot more enjoyable (laughs) it totally does even as a person who's been menstruating for 20 years just the fact that I'm like Um, I'm probably going to bleed today. I'm just going to wear my period undies. I can go out. I can enjoy the rest of my day, not worrying about, is that my period? Oh, what's in my pants? I can feel something in my yoni. It's life changing. (laughs) I completely agree. I feel that. I feel that same way about my cup. I love my cup um, and I love period underwear too, but like I love them both for different days of my cycle. And so I feel like I have so much freedom with my cup. Like I can put it in in the morning and I don't have to change it until the night so I can go about my whole day. I can do whatever I want and I don't have to be going to the bathroom to deal with my period. And so that just makes having a period so much more pleasant and low maintenance. And yeah, just using new products is, is exciting. And um, much and more enjoyable. For, oh, so much more. Um, and you ask for three things. And so my third thing would be specifically for the people who haven't got their first period yet. And that would be to learn how to use period products before you ever need to use them. So, so that 
the first time you need to use a pad is not the first time you've used a pad. Because if you practice how to use it and you know exactly how to use it, and that takes the stress out of it the very first time you actually have to use it because you're bleeding. Um, a lot of people, myself included, when I found out I have my period, I looked down in my underwear, it was the very first time I'd ever got it. And I was like, oh, what do I do? I have no idea how to use a pad or a tampon. But if I had learned how to use it beforehand, I would have seen that and gone, okay, I know exactly what to do. Um, thankfully, I was at home, but a lot of people experience that when they're out and about, maybe at school or a friend's house. So if you've already used a pad, you'll know exactly what to do and you won't have that added stress of feeling like you need to figure that out on top of coming to terms with the fact that your period's just started. I love this so much because I think that I always say this to adults when you get in the menstrual cup, don't just use it when your period arrives, like actually try it mm. before, you know, the, like see it. Try it. it, come on, let's face it. It's like going to a party, you buy a new outfit, you put it on, you see what it looks like before the party day. <laughs> so that's it. No, of, exactly right. Yeah. And I should mention that we can't do that with tampons. So we shouldn't be putting tampons in when we're not bleeding because um, that's not good. But you can practice with a pad. You can practice with period underwear and you can practice with a cup even when you're not bleeding. And even if you can't, you, like you don't practice with the tampon insertion, like you can at least open it. You can have a look at it. You can actually put it in water, see what happens with it see what it feels yeah. like. I think that is good because it kind of like builds a relationship with the product. So you're more familiar yeah. with it as opposed to That's like it. being the person who gets in a car to drive for the very first time ever. And you're like, what are all these things? And how does this work? Yeah. <laughs> what, are, what are these buttons? Um, exactly. The other thing is you can use your finger to figure out where that tampon's going to go. A Perfect. lot of people don't know where to put the tampon. And so if you just use your finger and get comfortable with using your finger to just find the vaginal opening, find the angle that you'll need to insert it on because a lot of people will try to insert it from um, a different angles that aren't quite the right angle. So figure out what angle to insert it on and then using your finger to figure out, okay, well, what What's the direction that the vaginal canal actually goes? Because the vaginal canal doesn't go straight up and down. The vaginal canal is actually on an angle towards our tailbone. So using the finger to figure out, okay, that's the direction that I'm pushing the tampon and that will make it a whole lot easier when you actually have to go and use it. Such great advice. Oh my God. Very good advice. Thank you. So oh my God. <laughs> I've loved, I've loved our chat today. I always love chatting with you, Demi. Um, final oh. podcast question. Um, yes. before we do that though, tell us how can everyone who's listening find you? Now, I know you have some amazing online little courses. You've got a great book and you're giving everyone a really great discount, which is awesome. So if you want to get 15% off, use the code WW for well woman. So WW15, um, on Demi's website, but tell us where can they find you to learn more about you? So my website is brightgirlhealth.com and that's where you can purchase my book, which also comes in the ebook version as well. And that's going to teach you some basics about cycle awareness, what the four different phases of the menstrual cycle are and how you can use that to your advantage and embrace your cycle. Uh, it will teach you about hormones as well. Um, so that's the book and the ebook. It's called The Bright Girl Guide. And then I also have my parent teen um 
period ready kit. I call it a period ready kit because it's perfect for the teens who are approaching their first period or they're in the first few years of menstruation. And so parents and teens can sit down and learn about cycles together because a lot of the times parents, it's so long ago since they got their first period that you can forget. Um, and so we'll learn all about cycle awareness, cycle tracking, the four phases of the cycle in that um, period ready kit as as well. So in that kit, you get a free pair of Modi Body underwear, you get the e-course masterclasses, and you get a whole resource kit, kit of like conversation starters and activities that you can do together. And so it's WW15 for 15% um, off that e-course and the ebook and the paperback book as well. And then you can also find me on Instagram and YouTube, which are both Bright Girl Health. Um, and I've got lots of videos on YouTube about like period cups, period underwear, menstrual cycle things, and just the most information on Instagram. If you were to just go and look at my Instagram, you'd learn so much. There is lots of information on your Instagram. I'm a bit like, how does she do all of this on her own? But she's <laughs> Justin to help. So this is fantastic. Um, Demi, great. All of those links will be in the show notes. So thank you for sharing. Now, final podcast question I ask all of our guests, and I'm very excited to ask you, is tell us. I want you to think back to your younger menstruating self. So when you got your period, like that age, you know, just before you finished um, year six, what are three things you you wish you had have known then that you now know today? First of all, that other people have the period as well. And I don't have to be afraid to share that mm. or feel like I'm alone because I did feel like, oh, none of my friends have told me that they have their periods yet. Am I the only one? I felt like I was the only one. I definitely wasn't, but I didn't speak about it because I thought I was weird that, that people would judge me because of it. No one's judging you because of it. Everyone else is getting their period too. And it's so much easier for everybody when you acknowledge that we're all in this together. Totally. Um, yeah, so that's the first thing. The second thing is I wish I knew that it didn't have to be a miserable, horrible experience because that's just what we're all kind of told to expect. Expect pain, expect to not feel good. And I didn't realize that it could actually be a positive experience. Um, so yeah, I just wish that people had talked to me with a more positive mindset, um, with more positive language around, around having a period because it was all very negative language. I don't know. Did you experience that too? I wouldn't say it was negative language. It just wasn't right. spoken about. So there was no language. Mm. <laughs> so it's not like it was negative. It just wasn't there. Um, yeah, it's interesting though. A lot of people, like something that I've found is that, you know, let's just say I'm talking to like a 12 or a 13-year-old and they're like, oh, my God, periods are so painful. And I'm like, girl, you haven't even been menstruating for six months yet. Like, how do you know this? <laughs> And so the question is like, yeah. well, where does that belief come from? And I really feel like we, exactly. could, we could have a whole podcast episode about this, but like mm. it's really just been passed down. And so, you know, rewrite your own experiences. So, yeah, I completely agree. Completely. That's agree. right. Just because our moms, aunties, cousins, sisters all had horrible periods or painful periods doesn't mean that we have to have a painful, horrible period and we've learned so many skills today for how we can um, stop that from happening. So, yeah. Um, and then the third thing is actually something I wish I could go back and tell myself just a few years ago. Like, yes, definitely my teenage self, but I wish I also knew this a few years ago, which is that when it comes to seeking help for period problems, because sometimes we need to seek help. Sometimes it's more than just eat better, move better, sleep better. Um, sometimes there are issues 
um, underlying conditions going on and, and we need to seek help. Um, what I wish I knew is that most doctors, most general practitioners are wonderful, but they're not experts on periods and they don't need to be. That's not what they signed up to be. They didn't sign up to be a period hormone health specialist. And so we can't expect that from them. So, and, and that also goes for other areas of life as well. Like if you've got a knee problem, chances are the doctor up the road is not a knee specialist. We've got an eye problem. They're not an eye specialist. And for some reason, you know, if we go to the doctor for a knee problem, they usually send us to a knee specialist or an eye problem. They usually send us to an eye specialist. But for some reason, when we go to the doctor for period problems, they don't send us to endocrinologists. They don't send us to menstrual health specialists. They don't send us to women's health specialists. They just go, oh, take the pill. <laughs> or they ignore our symptoms, brush them off and say, oh, that's just what it means to have a period. You'll be fine. Suck it up. And I wish I could tell my 14 year old self or even myself a few years ago and all the 14 year olds of the world or everyone who, who this applies to that if you're not being heard when it comes to help seeking, that you need to keep advocating for yourself and find somebody else. Find totally. someone who's a specialist in the area. Um, if you know that you're going to a doctor to um, investigate PCOS, find a PCOS specialist. But if you just have period problems, you're not quite sure what it is, find a menstrual health specialist. There are many practitioners, could be a naturopath or homeopath, Chinese medicine doctor, could be a general practitioner, but they just specifically specialize in menstrual health. Find an endocrinologist or a gynecologist, whatever it might be. But you need to connect with the person who is the right um, person to be diagnosing and finding the root causes of your issues. Don't let GPs brush you off and tell you that you're fine or just prescribe you the pill. Don't stop advocating for yourself until you've got someone who will listen to you. And this is the part that, um, that is important that will help you find and treat the root cause. So if it's a missing period, someone needs to help figure out why the root cause to why you're missing your period and then help treat it. And that's how we're going to get our best health um, help and our fastest answers. But a lot of people, it's pretty simple, but a lot of people don't realize that, okay, my family doctor may not be the best person to help me with my period issues. I love that you spoke to this. So love it because you're spot on. Doctors only know what they know and they don't really know that much about the menstrual cycle when it comes to menstrual cycle awareness. They might know about the hormones yeah. and they might know about um, hormonal contraceptive options, but there's lots of other things that you can kind of tie in. So I love that you spoke to that, Demi. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've loved well, this episode the, too. A lot of the times, sorry to um, keep going, um, for just, just want to say this last thing. A lot of the times they don't even really know how to diagnose specific conditions like PCOS and endometriosis and adenomyosis. They might know a little bit and depending on the doctor, depending on their training and their background, they might know, but a lot of them might not. And it's just adjusting our expectations to go, okay, like they can do some, some generalized testing and give general advice, um, but they're not an expert in this area. I just need to connect myself with someone who does do this all day, every day. And who 100%. is an expert. It's like finding, it's like dating, going, oh, his boyfriend is kind of okay. He doesn't really like spend a lot of time with me. <laughs> well, find somebody else that you really, really like. So 
You're not a tree. You're not stuck. So yeah, that's a really great additional point, especially having, like I've been through that myself with PCOS. So it's really important to keep looking for someone who's going to be on your team that you feel like is a team player for your health, not someone who's like against you or not on alignment with you. So Demi, thank you for speaking to that. As I was saying, I love this episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Um, I can't wait for everyone to hear this. I know this is at the end, so they've already heard it. But um, yeah, really, really blessed that you've spent this time with us. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I I enjoyed myself. Um, And thank you, everyone who has listened. I hope you've learned something. Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Women podcast. I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect, and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister, or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag Well Women Podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.